0: Good morning. We pray that you are safe and healthy and enjoying your time together with your family this Sunday morning. This week marks the last week of our fiscal year, and we just wanted to say as we started our service this morning, thank you for those of you who have given to our church and its ministry this year, and we especially wanted to say thanks for those of you who have given during this time of social distancing. It has allowed us to continue to do ministry, to continue to pay staff, to continue to pay our bills, to continue to support missionaries, to continue to support the people in our community. So thank you so much for all of that. There are many things that are difficult. Uh, during this time, and one of the things that is difficult is doing communion together. Communion is something that celebrates the oneness that we have through Christ, and it's hard to celebrate oneness when we can't be together as one. And so, one thing that we're trying to do to celebrate that oneness is to have Zoom meetings every Sunday morning at 10:30. And today we're going to have one of those. And next week, during our Zoom meeting at 10:30, we are going to celebrate communion together. And we would encourage you to grab some bread and some juice or wine this week and to join us in that Zoom meeting next Sunday and uh, to celebrate communion together with us as we remember the Lord's death and as we celebrate the oneness we have because of it. Another thing that's difficult during this time is doing ministry when we can't be together, but there have been many people from Hope who have continued to do ministry to serve each other and to serve the community during this time, and one of those people is Arlene McVetty, and we are celebrating Arlene today as our minister of the month. When the mandate for social distancing was given, Arlene began to pray for direction on how she could help at this time. She felt God calling her to make masks for anyone who needed them during the coronavirus outbreak. She said that God made her a person of action and gave her the resources and talent to serve in this way. Arlene has made hundreds of masks and shared them with people from the church and people from the community. She also has prayed for each individual who will be using the mask in the same way that she prays over women and girls that she makes washable sanitary pads for in Zambia. We praise God for Arlene and for others in the church who have continued to serve God and his people during this time of separation. To God be the glory. Let's worship him together this morning. How
1: great the Through the shadows of my soul, the work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could? grip on me you have broken every chain there's salvation in your name Jesus Christ my living home then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body to breathe out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Out of the silence, the roaring lion Yours is the victim May shine in your name, Jesus Christ, my living home, Jesus Christ. good, when there's nothing good in me. You are love, you are love, on display for all to see. You are light, you are light, when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sin. Or else I'm letting go, I'm letting go. And oh, I'm running to your arms I'm running to your arms The riches of your love Will always be enough Nothing compares
2: Let's pray together. Lord God, you are a holy God. You are holy in all that you do and all that you say. You are worthy of our worship and devotion. We pray in the midst of the struggles we face here on earth, with loneliness during social distancing, financial need, and the loss of loved ones, I pray that you will give us strength, courage, and comfort in the midst of these trials, that we will see your great love for us. Lord, you desire to give us rest here on earth. You are the good shepherd and is the only place that we can find true rest in our lives. Please guide us into a life of growth and service to you. Help us to keep our eyes and focus set on you and the home that we await to live in for eternity. Help us to live our lives in light of this hope and that you will grow in us a greater sense and desire to live every moment of our lives for you in your name. I pray that you will restore our hearts to you if they have been led astray. Thank you that you do not give us what we deserve but have instead shown us great mercy and grace through the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Help us not to take your sacrifice for granted, but may our hearts be filled with a greater desire to know you and to serve you more each and every day. May we not be distracted by everything else in our lives, but that we will be wholly satisfied by you. I pray that we as a church will be your hands and feet in our community and that you will use us individually during this time to be a great witness to those that you have placed in our lives. I pray these things in Jesus'
0: holy name. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 4 through 12. For it is impossible, in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit, And have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain and often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose wake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to be cursed, and its end to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen.
3: In recent years, there have been many superhero movies made. Some of those superheroes I can relate to very well, and some I find it hard to relate to. For example. I find it hard to relate to the Incredible Hulk now unfortunately I don't find it hard to relate to his anger but I do find it hard to relate to the Hulk's Hulkiness I cannot relate to his being so muscular I've never been a muscular guy myself and I think it's safe to say at this stage in my life that I never will be very muscular but I can relate pretty well to spider-man Spider-Man was a young man who loved school, a small young man who loved school and books. It was in school that he got bit by a radioactive spider, and that led to his superpowers. And somehow, some way, the small and scholarly Spider-Man won the heart of a beautiful girl. Somehow, some way, the same thing happened to me. Not the radioactive spider part, but the part about the beautiful girl. So I can relate to Spider-Man. One of my favorite parts of the Spider-Man movies is its theme. With great power comes great responsibility. If you are given power, you need to use that power well. I think that is true. And I also think it is true what the author of Hebrews says in a variation of the Spider-Man theme. With great privilege comes great responsibility. In Hebrews 6, the author of the book writes about the great privileges that we in the church have received. He is writing to a church that is going through some severe trials. They are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. The church was being tested. The church was growing weary and exhausted with the trials of the Christian life. Some of you, perhaps, are feeling weary today. You are feeling weary, perhaps, because of the coronavirus or because of some other trial that you are facing in your life. And the temptation you are feeling is to turn your back on Christ, on his church, and on Christianity. That is the temptation of apostasy. In the English Standard Version of the Bible, This section of the book of Hebrews is titled, A Warning Against Apostasy. Falling away from your faith. The author is going to tell the church, don't do it. Don't fall away from Jesus and the church. God will hold you responsible. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 6 this morning and see some ways that God will hold us in the church responsible. For all of the privileges that God has given to us. First of all, we see that if you fall away from Christ and His church, you will face judgment. Before we look at some of the privileges that we have received as a church, let's define apostasy. An apostate is not just a non Christian, an apostate is not just a struggling Christian. An apostate is someone who once seemed to be a Christian, who was a part of a visible local church, and did the things that Christians do, but who one day rejected Christ, turned away from the truth that is found in Christianity, and left the church. Apostasy is described in the first words of Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 6, and then have fallen away. Apostates fall away in the sense that they abandon the gospel of Jesus Christ. They make a deliberate choice to turn their backs on Christ, on all the privileges that they once had as being part of the church. These apostates, then, are those who once were inside the local church. They looked like true Christians, But then they hardened their hearts against Jesus and his church, and they fell away from their faith. They were like the bad types of soil that seeds fell upon in Jesus' parable. At first, it seemed that these apostates were growing in their faith. But then they no longer produced fruit. Instead, they withered up and died. They stopped growing the seed of God's word did not penetrate their hearts or their minds. And so they fell away from Christ and his church. Now let's look at some of the privileges that the readers of the book of Hebrews enjoyed and some of the privileges that we enjoy today in the church. The privileges are mentioned in verses 4 and 5. First of all, we see that they were enlightened. In other words, they received the knowledge of God. Secondly, we see they, they tasted the heavenly gift. They were given the new life of salvation. Then we see in verse 4 that they also shared in the Holy Spirit. What a great gift. Then verse 5 says they tasted the goodness of the Word of God, the Bible. And finally, we see in verse 5 that they also tasted the powers. of of the age to come. They had experienced God's end-time blessings through the Holy Spirit in the age to come. What incredible privileges the church had received, and what incredible privileges we today in the church have also received. Let me focus on just one of those privileges. We have tasted the goodness of the Word of God. In every chapter of the book of Hebrews so far, the writer has talked about the Holy Scripture and our response to it. Obviously, the Bible is very important to the author of the book of Hebrews. It is through the Bible that we get to know Jesus and God's salvation. How great is that? What a privilege we have been given to have been given the Bible. So, church, are you reading the Bible every day? And, church, when you hear the Bible preached on Sundays, do you rejoice in this great privilege? Or do you say when you are in church, I wish I were somewhere else right now? This sermon is so boring. Now, of course, no one who attends Hope Baptist Church would ever say that one of the sermons preached here is boring. Right? I mean, how could you say that when we have such charismatic speakers here? But here's the thing. Even if you're not particularly interested in what the Bible is saying on a particular Sunday, even if the preacher is somewhat less than stimulating in his delivery— you still have been given an incredible privilege to have the Bible preached to you. The Bible tells you about God and his love and his salvation for you. Don't ever take the privilege of the Bible and Bible preaching for granted. This time I want to remind you, of all the privileges, that all of the privileges that are mentioned in verses 4 and 5 are true only of Christians. The language used in verses 4 and 5 is used elsewhere in the New Testament to describe only Christians. Only Christians have these privileges. And what does the author go on to say about these true Christians? Christians like the one that he is writing to in the book of Hebrews, he gives his Christian readers a serious warning. He says, beginning in verse 4, that it would be impossible for them, if they fell away into apostasy, to restore such apostates again to repentance, according to verse 6. Why would it be impossible? Verse 6 says that these apostates would be crucifying once again the Son of God, to their own harm, and holding him up to contempt. These apostates could not be reconverted. The book of Hebrews has been saying all along that Jesus is greater than everyone and everything. He is, after all, the Son of God, according to verse 6. But if you were to turn your back on Jesus in apostasy, you would be saying that Jesus is nothing special. You would be saying, Jesus is not God. I don't need Jesus to save my soul. As an apostate, you would be like the crowd on Good Friday who mocked Jesus as he was being crucified. Your apostate, your apostasy then would be holding up Jesus for mocking and contempt. You would not be saying with your life that Jesus is greater. Your apostasy would be saying that Jesus is nothing. In fact, he's less than nothing. You can walk away from him without worry. The author is warning his Christian readers not to go down this road of apostasy, of falling away from Jesus. The good news is that the author does not assume that his readers have already fallen away from faith in Christ. But he is giving them a serious warning. He does not know if they will fall away from their faith but he trusts that God will use the warning that he delivers to them as a means to keep them going in their faith. And I trust that God will use my words today from his word to keep you you going in your faith. You see, I don't believe that a true Christian can ever become an apostate. I believe that true Christians will always persevere in their faith. And I believe that the warnings of the Bible, of the serious danger of judgment that will fall upon apostates, will keep all of you who are true Christians in your faith. So church, hear the warning of Hebrews chapter 6. Do not, whatever you do, fall away from your faith. As your pastor, I I don't know which ones of you are true believers and which ones of you only seem like you are true believers. Only God knows that. So I am giving this warning to all of you, and I pray that this warning of God's judgment on apostates will motivate you to stay the course, to keep the faith, I pray also that you will not rely on the spiritual privileges that God has given to you throughout your life. I pray that you won't rely on those privileges to save your soul. Those privileges that you have been given will not save your soul. Church membership will not save you. Baptism will not save you. Having a heart full of joy when you sing worship songs to God will not save you. Growing up in a Christian home will not save you. Only faith in Christ and Christ alone will save you, along with a corresponding repentance from your sins. Many times I have told you of my pride in having attended the University of North Carolina but there is one part of the University of North Carolina that I am not proud of I'm not proud of one of its professors Bart Ehrman is professor of religious studies at the University of North Carolina and Bart Ehrman is an apostate as a young man he seemed to be a Christian he professed faith in Jesus at Youth for Christ at the age of 15 and he later attended Moody Bible Institute and Wheaton College. But after he went to seminary at Princeton, Bart Ehrman fell away from his faith. He walked away from Jesus. And he is now wasting his life writing books about how what Jesus and the Bible say is not true. Bart Ehrman has written five New York Times bestsellers, trying to Pull people away from faith in Jesus and the Bible. His most recent book is about heaven and hell. In spite of what Jesus clearly teaches in the Bible about heaven and hell, Ehrman concludes there might be a heaven, although he doubts it, but he is certain that there is no hell. Now, how can this be? How can a young man who once claimed to be a Christian have a hard heart toward Jesus and toward the Bible? I don't know all of the factors that lead someone to apostasy, although false teaching is certainly one part of it. But I do know that God will hold Bart Ehrman accountable for turning his back on all of the privileges that he had as a young man, there will be judgment, and that judgment will be severe. Church, hear the word of the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, the author gives a picture from farming. It is a picture of the consequences of apostasy. He writes in verse 7 about the land that has received the blessing of a refreshing rain. If that land produces crops that are useful for those who farm it, then the land receives the blessing of God. The author is saying to his readers, you have been given great privileges from God. Therefore, you should produce in your lives good fruit, and you should persevere in your faith. But what happened What happens if that rain only produces thorns and thistles from the land? Verse 8 says that such land is worthless, and it is about to be cursed and will finally be burned. This is a picture of what will happen to those who are apostate, who fall away from their faith. The day is coming for apostates when they will be cursed by God himself. The day of judgment is coming for them. To receive great privileges from God and then to turn your back on all of God's goodness to you leaves God with no option but irrevocable judgment. That is one of the responsibilities that God will hold us to if we turn our back on those great privileges that God gives to us. But another responsibility that God has given to us is that if you are a true Christian, you will necessarily produce good fruit. Up until verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 6, the author has been given a serious warning to those who are tempted to fall away from Jesus. The author gives to his readers a major wake-up call. It's it's the kind of wake-up call that begins with your heart pounding out of your chest and with a, a cold sweat. If you fall away from Jesus, God will hold you responsible and judge you for throwing away the great privileges that you have received. But in verse 9, the author of Hebrews changes his tone. He moves from warning his readers to instead encouraging his readers. We read in verse 9 Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. So the author was confident that none of his readers were going to fall away from Christ. He was confident that they were truly saved. And he encourages his readers with the good fruit that he sees in their lives. You see, if, if you are a true Christian, you will necessarily produce good fruit with your life. And that good fruit is a sign that your life is indeed rooted in Christ. That good fruit is a sign that you are truly a Christian and that you are saved. Some of you might have been asking yourself a question as you read the author of Hebrews' warnings against apostasy. Well, how do I know that I really am a Christian? How do I know that I am not an apostate, someone who only seems to be a Christian and will one day fall away from my faith? Well, you know you are a Christian because of the fruit that your life produces. Let's look at three of those fruits as found in verse 10 of Hebrews 6. There we read in that verse For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. So, how do you know if you are really a Christian? How can you have assurance that you are still in the faith? The first fruit of the Christian has to do with your work. Is your life a life of service to God and God's people? If so, great. That is what Christians do. They work to serve God and to serve God's people. And God is a just god he's not going to forget your work for him and for his people we read in verse 10 of how the readers also have love that they have shown for god's name and this love for god's name is the second fruit that comes in the christian life the readers of hebrews did not work for god merely out of a sense of duty No, they really loved God in their hearts. Nothing meant more to them than the honor and the glory of God's name. God is their treasure, their joy and their delight. If you yourself have that kind of affection for God, that is the fruit of being a true Christian. And the third fruit of the Christian is serving the saints. The readers of Hebrews were practically taking care of the needs of their fellow Christians in the church. They were still doing that in spite of the persecution that they were enduring. The author could clearly see that they were practically helping each other out. And if during this coronavirus, you have been calling people in the church to check on their needs, if you have been giving of your finances to help those who are in need, if you have been praying for other people at this time, do you know what that means? Your practical service for Jesus is a sign that you are a true Christian. Practical service to other Christians is a fruit of a life, that is rooted in Jesus. Is that an encouragement to you today? I hope so. I hope that helps you know that you have assurance that you are a true believer in Jesus Christ. Jesus was once asked an important question in Matthew chapter 22. Which is the most important commandment in the whole law? Do you remember how Jesus answered Love. It all boils down to love. The greatest commandment is to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love people. That's what matters to God. And that love is the fruit of people who are true Christians. And so do you want to be encouraged today that you are really a Christian? Look for signs of love in your life. Are you loving God and are you loving your neighbor? If so, you are producing the fruits that belong to true Christians. I have a confession to make today, and that is that I have always hated long-distance running. My older brother was really good at running, and he wanted me to share in his love for running and join him on the cross-country team at our high school. And so one year, our church youth group had a 24-hour fundraiser where we would take turns running around this local track. We would run a mile at a time, and then hand off to the next person. My brother wanted me to join this fundraiser so that I might grow in my own love for running. Well, that seriously backfired for my brother. I forget how many miles I ran in that 24-hour time frame. All I know is that I could barely walk the next day after all that running. I was in so much pain. And honestly, a lot of the so-called running that I did was really just walking. I was so out of breath going around that track that many times I just had to walk to complete the mile I was supposed to run. I often think about my experience with running at that time whenever I watched the end of a marathon on TV. Now, I can't relate to those people who cross the finish line first after running a marathon. Those people seem more like machines to me than real human beings. But do you know who I can relate to? The people who stagger across the finish line after running for four hours or five hours or six hours. Those are my people. I can relate to those guys. They didn't win the race, but do you know what they did? They finished the race. In Hebrews chapter 6, the author is encouraging his readers to finish the Christian race that they had begun. He is telling his readers that the Christian life is not a sprint. It is a marathon. So he says in verse 11, we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end. So he says, don't give up in the race. Don't fall away from Christ. Be earnest. Take your faith seriously and persevere. Perseverance is necessary in the race, so that the hope of salvation that you have today will one day be realized in heaven. And the author concludes in verse 12 by saying, don't be sluggish. Don't be lazy in your Christian life. Instead, be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. It takes patience to make it to heaven. It takes trust in God through many dangers, toils, and snares in this life on earth. But if you trust in God all throughout your life, if you finish the race, God will richly reward you. If you are going to finish your race, the author of Hebrews says that you need two things. You need warnings and you need encouragements. So listen again to the warning of Hebrews chapter 6. If you fall away from your faith in Christ, you will be judged for throwing away your privileges. And listen as well to the encouragement of Hebrews chapter 6. Do you see the fruit of love for God and love for your neighbor in your life? Great. Keep producing that fruit. That fruit of love is a sign that you will be in heaven with Jesus for all eternity. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you are a God who sends to us both warnings and encouragements. For those who are feeling today like Maybe it's time to give up on the Christian life. Maybe it's time to give up on Christ and the church. May they hear this warning, and may they persevere in their faith. And for those who are discouraged today, who are wondering if there really is anything that says that they are true Christians, open their eyes to see the fruit of their lives. Help them to see the ways that they are loving you and loving your people. Help them to go away encouraged today that they are indeed believers who belong to you. Thank you, Lord, for this word of warning, and thank you for this word of encouragement. In your great name we pray. Amen.
1: Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart. runs deep, your grace is more, grace is found, is where you are. When temptation comes my way When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay
2: So we are glad that you are able to participate with us uh, in our worship service today. It is not what we are used to, um, and it's not what we want uh, to have as well. We do continue to long to uh, be together as a body of believers and to be able to worship God together. We do encourage you once again to go over the discussion questions Um, And you may do that within your family, uh, or you can do that within your growth group as well. Uh, We are glad once again that you are able to join us today. Uh, We hope that you have a good week, and uh, that God would continue to uh, just grow in you a greater love for Him.